Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. If you've been around here for any period of time, you've heard me say something like this. One of the biggest challenges we have when reading the Bible is when we think we know what it says or think we remember what it says. And I'm not talking about interpretive differences. I'm talking about the challenge of familiarity. And today is one of those days. We're going to read a really familiar story. And I would encourage you to listen to this really familiar story with maybe an ear for something you might not have remembered or something you might have missed before. And I would encourage you this. Remember that the basis of godly character is recognition that you belong to God and serve Him. And I don't know about you, but I've got to do that probably every other day. Uh, Welcome to episode 2099 and today's little bit of our journey together through the Bible, reading through the whole thing and considering our own life and work stories in light of that. And we've got a pretty short New Testament segment today to make way for a longer Old Testament story that you've heard before. But I want you to think about the theme here as we even get into Acts. The basis of godly character is recognition that you belong to God and serve Him. And even though I picked that theme today from Joseph's life in our Old Testament segment, I think you'll hear it in this little transitional piece of Acts. Acts chapter 15, picking up in verse 36. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed After being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord, he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul went on to Derbe and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him, and Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. So he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem for the people to observe. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Now catch this piece. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, saying, Cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And that's our New Testament segment, up through chapter 16, verse 10. 
Uh, you may have noticed the little change in the language to we. Uh, the book of Luke kind of goes back and forth a little bit because Luke, in those we passages, Luke is one of the traveling companions. But you think it's kind of interesting? Um, maybe find it odd at all that a guy who wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, meaning Paul, had a message from the Holy Spirit to not share in a particular region. God does guide us, and sometimes it's by, yeah, shutting a door. And we all have to wrestle with trusting that God knows best. Sometimes it's a whole lot harder <laughs> than what we just read. And that gets us to our Old Testament segment, right? That's part of, but maybe not all of, this famous couple bits we're going to hear about Joseph. Again, I would encourage you to give it a deep listen. Today we're in Genesis, picking up in chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under Joseph's authority. And from the time that he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's household because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, Sleep with me. But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. So how could I do this immense evil, and how could I sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now one day he went into the house to do his work, and none of the household servants were there. She grabbed him by his garment and said, Sleep with me. Believing his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside, and when she saw that he had left his garment with her and ran outside, she called her household servants. Look, she said to him, My husband brought a Hebrew man to make fools of us. He came to me so he could sleep with me, and I screamed as loud as I could. When he heard me screaming for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. She put Joseph's garment beside her until his master came home, and then she told him the same story. The Hebrew slave you brought to us came to make a fool of me, but when I screamed for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. When his master heard the story his wife told him, when she said, These are the things your slave did to me, he was furious and had Joseph thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor with the prison warden. 
the warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority, and he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden didn't bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and the Lord made everything that he did successful. After this, the king of Egypt's cupbearer and baker offended their master, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guards in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guards assigned Joseph to them as their personal attendant, and they were in custody for some time. The king of Egypt's cupbearer and baker, who were confined in the prison, each had a dream. Both had a dream on the same night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they looked distraught. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We had dreams, they said to him, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. In my dream there was a vine in front of me. On the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms came out, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is its interpretation, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. In just three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. You will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand the way you used to when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well for you, remember that I was with you. Please show kindness to me by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that should put me in the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was positive, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. Three baskets of white bread were on my head. In the top basket were all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Joseph replied, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from off you and hang you on a tree. Then the birds will eat the flesh from your body. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he gave a feast for all his servants. He elevated the chief cupbearer and the chief baker among his servants. Pharaoh restored the chief cupbearer to his position as cupbearer, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But Pharaoh hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had explained to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. At the end of two years, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing beside the Nile when seven healthy-looking, well-fed cows came up from the Nile and began to graze among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, sickly and thin, came up from the Nile and stood beside those cows along the bank of the Nile, and the sickly, thin cows ate the healthy, well-fed cows. And then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. Seven heads of grain, plump and good, 
came up on one stalk, and after them, seven heads of grain, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven plump full ones. And then Pharaoh woke up, and it was only a dream. When morning came, he was troubled. So he summoned all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today, today I remember my faults. Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and he put me and the chief baker in the custody of the captain of the guards. He and I had dreams on the same night, and each dream had its own meaning. Now a young Hebrew slave, a slave of the captain of the guards, was with us there. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted our dreams for us, and each had its own interpretation. It turned out just the way he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and they quickly brought him out from the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes, and went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, I am not able to. It is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when seven well-fed, healthy-looking cows came up from the Nile and grazed among the reeds, and after them seven other cows, weak, very sickly and thin, came up. I've never seen such sickly ones as these in all the land of Egypt. Then the thin, sickly cows ate the first seven well-fed cows. And when they had devoured them, you could not tell that they had devoured them. Their appearance was as bad as it had been before. And then I woke up. In my dream I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, coming up on one stalk, and after them seven heads of grain, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up, and the thin heads of grain swallowed the seven good ones. I told this to the magicians, but no one can tell me what it means. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he, God, is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams mean the same thing. The seven thin, sickly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind are seven years of famine. It is just as I told Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. After them, seven years of famine will take place, and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will devastate the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it, for the famine will be very severe. Since the dream was given twice to Pharaoh, it means the matter has been determined by God, and he will carry it out soon. So now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance, and let them gather all the excess food during those good years that are coming, and under Pharaoh's authority store the grain in the cities so they may preserve it as food. 
The food will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt, and then the country will not be wiped out by the famine. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants, and he said to them, Can we find anyone like this, a man who has God's spirit in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one discerning and wise as you are. You will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands. Only I as king will be greater than you. And Pharaoh also said to Joseph, See, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with fine linen garments, and placed a gold chain around his neck. He had Joseph ride in his second chariot, and servants called out before him, going, Make way! So he placed him over all the land of Egypt, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and no one will be able to raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt without your permission. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphonath-Paneah, and gave him a wife, Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 36 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh's king of Egypt. Joseph left Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout the land of Egypt. And during the seven years of abundance, the land produced outstanding harvests. Joseph gathered all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years and put it in the cities. He put the food in every city from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, like the sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. Two sons were born to Joseph before the years of famine arrived. Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph named the first one Manasseh and said, God has made me forget all my hardships and my whole family. The second son he named Ephraim and said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of abundance in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in every land, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. And when the whole land of Egypt was stricken with famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. And Pharaoh told all, e all Egypt, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Now the famine had spread across the whole region. So Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Every land came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, for the famine was very severe in every land. And that gets us up through chapter 41. Oh, there is so much I could say, but to bring that lesson into the present, my friends, the basis of godly character is recognition that you belong to him and serve him. I would, of course, love to tell you it's easy, but this side of the microphone has some crummy moments, too. Let's close with our wisdom segment, a short little psalm uh, that kind of speaks to crummy times and uh, times when truth is trampled underfoot in a corrupt society. Psalm 12, for the choir director, according to Sheminith, a psalm of David. Help, Lord, for no faithful one remains. The loyal have disappeared from the human race. They lie to one another they speak with flattering lips and deceptive hearts. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks boastfully. They say, 
Through our tongues we have power. Our lips are our own. Who can be our master? Because of the devastation of the needy and the groaning of the poor, I will now rise up, says the Lord. I will provide safety for the one who longs for it. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in an earthen furnace, purified seven times. You, Lord, will guard us. You will protect us from this generation forever. The wicked prowl all around, and what is worthless is exalted by the human race. Lord, I pray. I pray for your spirit and protection, guarding the hearts, Lord, of each person listening here right now. Lord, I know that it is so easy to give the enemy a foothold, a stronghold. And I pray, Lord, that you would just find us submissive, remembering that we belong to you and that, that we can respond to that by serving you. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.